Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and I'm joined, as always, by Steve Wiss. Uh, we're going to start this week in Norway, so it's only right that I introduce my friend here. How are you, Steve? I'm very well, Jonathan. I think I've got to have to start the show off by actually thanking yourself for a great gift that you sent me. A surprise gift that you sent me in the post. It was a parcel that came uh, on my door, doorstep last week. I wondered who it was from. As soon as I opened it, I saw a blue bag with an EF Core Jotterborg logo on it. And Jonathan has generously bought me an EF Core scarf from the official club shop when he was over there in Sweden. You won't be able to see it unless I clip this now. But the scarf, it's beautiful. It has a great smell to it. I can feel, I can feel the passion of the club when I when I touch this scarf. <laughs> so a big thanks to you, Mister Faduba, for sending me that scarf my way. You're welcome, my friend. I, I needed to get your piece of Gothenburg, and uh, <clears throat> hopefully you can you can enjoy that and. I know you'll be wearing it every week with pride, that's for sure, with your secret. Well, I've nailed my colours now, haven't I? I've, my colours are to the mast now, it seems. So. Yeah, I think you secretly uh, <laughs> we've kind of outed you on the show this season as a closet EF Core fan, so I hope you wear it with pride, my friend. Um, I had to get you a little memento. So, yes, you are currently uh, in possession of that wonderful scarf. And... Um, yeah, we're gonna. Well, we are gonna get to Sweden. If you if you listened to the show last week, of course, I was at Gothenburg, and we did review EF Core um, and Bickelhack and the two Gothenburg teams who are doing quite well this season. And um, uh, yeah, we covered my trip on the last show. So if you haven't listened to that, you're not. You're wondering why on earth uh, Steve's getting scarves in the post. Then uh, go back and listen to the episode. You'll explain why we had an exclusive interview with Blair Turger at Bickelhacken and Emil Salomonsen. Uh, from EF Core Jotterberg. But this week, we are starting in Norway, Steve. It's down to business. And we've actually got a midweek round coming up. Um, so while you get cosy in your scarf, I'm just going to read out the scores from the most recent round of games. Round six in Norway we are now. Uh, we did sort of talk a little bit about Norway last week, but this week we're going to be a little bit more detailed. We might even speak about fancy, uh, etc. Um, but these were the results from last week. So Odd Nil Lillestrom won. I think it was a late goal from Akko Adams. Glimp 3, Rosenborg 2, a big game between the two big clubs there. That was won by Glimp. <clears throat> Hamcam 1, Tromsø 2, and that's where we're going to start the show. And this week we're going to post a clip on Twitter that we're going to ask your opinion on. We want to know your thoughts on this crazy decision. Um, that's kind of been the major talking point in Norway. We're going to come to that in a minute. But yeah, Hamcam 1, Tromsø 2. Um, Molder 3, Strums God set 2 Molder sort of starting to get a little bit of form maybe Sandefjord 1, Viking 2 Sarsborg 2, Brand 1 Starbeck 1, Arlesen 0 and Haugesen 1, Wallerenga 1 uh, and that leaves the table looking kind of uh, quite nice doesn't it for certain teams uh, Steve and we've got um, we've got Glimp Top yeah. by a, quite a considerable distance 7 points but we're going to talk about these teams in a minute the main thing we want to do is get straight into this debate about the Hamcamp Trumza game. Now, Steve, for those who haven't seen it, you've sent me the video and I've just been looking at it before we get on air. Um, how best can you describe it? If you can't, uh, before Steve describes it, if you don't know what we're talking about, go on Twitter.com slash Nordic Football Podcast and we will 
uh, post the video to our feed as well. So you'll be able to have a little look at this incident, if not TV2 Sport as well, our Twitter account. But Steve, I'm going to let you describe it in only the way you can, and then we'll have a little debate. Explain yeah, what well, happened in the scenario in this game. Yeah, this revolves around the end of the match between Ham Cam and uh, Tromso. So it, the match uh, ended in a 2-1 win for Tromso, a last-minute Nicholas Vestalen penalty in the nine, in the 101st minute, I think, officially, the goal was timed at. But <clears throat> the reason for that was because there was a massive VAR check, probably lasted four or five minutes towards the end, right at the end of the game, where Marcus Sandberg, the Hamcam goalkeeper, um, obtained a cross and was trying to release the ball quickly to one of his players. One of the Tromso uh, uh, defenders, attackers, I, can't, I don't actually know who exactly it was. Um, you might be able to tell me that, I'm not sure, but uh, I forget the name. Was basically, I think, I personally think, impeding the goalkeeper. Um, but Sandberg got frustrated and then basically sort of bounced the ball against his head in in frustration, I think you could call it. Anyway, the match continued on. The referee was happy to let things go. I think there was probably the ball was in play for about a minute after that. And just as we're heading towards the full time whistle, the referee is called over to the VAR monitor after a lengthy, lengthy discussion with, obviously, his uh, officials there, he decides to award a penalty to Tromso and give a red card to Marcus Sandberg, which is obviously a very controversial ending. And then Tromso scored the penalty, which was effectively the last kick of the game. So, yeah, it was absolute madness. Um, I've certainly got some strong opinions on, on this decision. I've got some strong opinions on this, the laws of football in general as well, but um, an absolutely mad finish. And, and by the way, Tromso are on 11 points. I think they've been the flukiest team in the league so far. They, if you look at their underlying numbers, they've been very, very lucky, but going back to this incident, it didn't yeah, we'll ring about, right. We'll talk, it didn't ring right with me. The incident didn't. Yeah. We'll talk about the <clears throat> form of Tromso in a second. Uh, 90. Well, 101st minute penalty from uh, Vesterland to win the game. Nicholas Vesterland, uh, Steve, you said that I will tell you who who made the who was fouled, and it was indeed um, number. F well, it was the goalkeeper of Hamcam, right? The goalkeeper of Hamcam, Marcus Sandberg, did made the foul. Yeah, um, he made on... the foul on Gunderson. Uh, Jostein Gunderson. Jostein Gunderson. Yeah, yeah, and just to sort of describe it, you know, you've given it an eloquent description. I'm going to describe it in my own words. Um, basically, yeah, he, some might say punches him in the face with the ball. Some might say brushes him to one side with the ball and tries to sort of boot the ball out. Um, I mean, what, how would you describe it, Steve? Well, I just think it's, it's almost, six of one and half a dozen of another because we see it before the players try and stop goalkeepers having a quick release um and and, and that, for me that's a foul and i think the keeper's just got pissed off and he's trying to almost you know release himself from the player and he just got frustrated and sort of cheekily knocked the ball against his his face now you could look i think the slow motion makes it look worse than it is 
the slow motion can make it seem like oh he's you know it's a, a scathing attack and you know a shocking incident and, and look, that's up for debate that's up for debate is it a red card or not i i don't think it's a red card at all and then a penalty is awarded for this and you know this is where you've got to delve into the laws of football about what what actually contrives to you know um, uh, an incident that leads towards a penalty being awarded and it seems by the letter of the law that this is the case. We said off air that any foul in, in the penalty area is, is supposedly a penalty. For me, that just doesn't ring right the way the way it is. Um, maybe the laws of football need looking at. This is why I would never, ever be a referee or some sort of official or an umpire in cricket or something like that, because there's absolute bullshit with the laws. Um, but... In, in itself, the first foul for me was made by the Tromso player anyway. So I disagreed with the outcome of this. And it was yeah, VAR. Got... It was sorry, it was VAR that obviously made the decision on the field. The referee was happy to let it ride. Obviously, the officials had seen it. It was only VAR that got involved that changed the decision. Yeah, we have a question from uh Barisha Show. Showtime Barisha, thanks a lot as always for your support at Barisha Show. He says, What's your opinion on the crazy moment from Marcus Sandberg? Uh, I've seen some people describe it as uh pathetic on twitter a couple of fans um saying you know that this is just kind of goes against the spirit of uh v of var um one person simon nyback says it seems that there was an attempted murder on saturday according to half of northern norway um i mean me personally looking at that incident i think that it's the classic case of exactly what i said a week or two ago on this podcast that when you slow anything down to slow motion and slow replays you can make anything look like attempted murder um and in i think in running it's quite funny <laughs> like when you actually watch it it's quite funny um possibly a foul but you know when you run it just as a, as a straight clip it, it it you know he does kind of hit him okay he goes down he's rolling around it looks like it makes it look worse than it is but any player is probably going to do that to try and get an advantage it is a bit of a lash out from the keeper. It's a, a little bit needless. I can see what he's trying to do. He's just trying to get him out of the way and boot him in the head with the ball. It's a bit cheeky, I think. Um, but it's when you slow it down, it starts to look like some sort of sinister crime. Um, in my opinion, to give a red card and a penalty for that is just over, way overly harsh punishment. Um, <clears throat> I think in the last minute of a game as well to settle it, it's just... I could see the argument for a penalty, maybe. I think a red card is is just way too harsh. It's it's like it's like some it's like pushing someone a little bit, you know, like a minor push. Mm. It's not going to actually hurt the player in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, Gunderson's been criticised for his reaction, but I think you know most players are going to react that way. Probably, um, it is a bit needless. Steve, though, would you agree? I mean, to be fair, he does sort of um, he yeah. doesn't need to do that, but. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a little bit silly from the keeper, no doubt. But and, and he is an experienced keeper as well. He's in, I think he's 33, 34. So you wouldn't expect it from someone perhaps of that age. But I get why, because this happens a lot where players just try and frustrate keepers by stop them releasing the ball. So I only, in, in some ways, it was almost six of one and half a dozen of another. And we use the word cheeky there. I think it is more of a cheeky dig at, at full pace. You're right, the slow motion makes it look potentially horrific in, in, at times, doesn't it? With not just that incident, but other ones as well. So for me, I, I, I disagreed with it. And I just think this is where VAR can get a bit very in murky waters because they're looking at so many different angles. They're almost trying to find angles to make it be 
a red card or whatever. And yeah, I, I just think let that one go. If that was me, there was nothing wrong with the on-field decision, but it is what it okay. is. But it's- let's let's give a verdict. Like uh, tweet us what your opinion is if you have an opinion on it. We'd love to know. Would you either give nothing for it? Would you give penalty? Uh, only a penalty? Would you book the player for his reaction, or would you give a penalty and a red card? Um, or would you? Well, if you I suppose if you give a red card, you have to give a penalty. Steve, out of those four options, what would you? But do you have to give no? Because I what what would be wrong with the the outcome of a yellow card to the Tromso player, right? For either the reaction or actually a foul in the first place. Then you could, if you say the player, foul. player foul, you mean fouling the keeper for stopping the release. In my opinion, that's oh, again, right. it's a subjective opinion. That's my opinion, right? But you could give him, you could give the Tromso player a yellow for that. In addition, after that, you could send the referee. Sorry, you could send the referee. You could send the goalkeeper off for violent conduct. Okay, but I think the, the correct outcome then would have been a restart with a hand cam free kick. Myself. So, but, in your opinion, what would you have given? I would have given if if I I would have given two yellow cards, and I would have given a free kick to Hamcam. That is the outcome I would have given there. And what would the yellow card for the keeper be for then? The reaction after being fouled. So you think he was fouled? I I personally think he was fouled first because it's a clear obstruction. I mean, Hamcam could argue, oh, that defender stopped a counter attack that they could have won the game. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a fair. That's a fair mm, opinion. That's, that's my think, opinion. What, what would you? You would. What would you have done there? Uh, it's a great question, actually. I haven't really considered the foul itself. I would probably give uh, nothing. I think that you could easily um, just play on. Yeah. If I'm watching it now in in live. And that's what happened live as well. He hits him in the face. I can see an argument for a yellow card for the keeper. I think then once you do that, though, then that's a foul, isn't it? So you technically, oh. where do you, that's, that's when, when you're looking at the laws of the game, aren't you? That's when you've got to separate what is a foul versus what is just, I know. you know, technically that foul is probably violent conduct. So that means that he has to give a penalty. I think they're sending off is way too harsh, in my opinion, like the double jeopardy. I think that's way too much. And I could see an argument for, um, a, f- a yellow card for simulation almost because it's, you know he's oh, yeah he's I clearly mean... not that hurt but uh yeah tweet us let us know what you think as well i mean this is a really crazy incident it's got three hundred and four thousand views on twitter so it's obviously a big talking point a lot of people um are talking about it so yeah let's um let love to hear we hear what you think uh yeah i mean some, some of the comments are like you know it is yeah, a crazy not, incident. It's a crazy incident. I mean, yeah, it's definitely. I, I mean, I, you know me. I'm a better, and I, I was thinking from a betting perspective. I didn't have anything on the game. Imagine if you were an under two and a half goal better in this game. <laughs> yeah, you're just about to cash, and then a penalty is given for that. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, the keeper is taking a risk in his own hands by doing that. So I can, mm. you know, you are make you are giving a decision to make, and in the age of VAR. That's always going to be the case. I mean, how you said that Chomzo are kind of over, overperforming at this moment in time. They yeah. are currently fifth in the league, uh, mm. joint third actually on points, but goal difference obviously makes them fifth. What's your analysis on them? Three wins um, out of six. 
Uh, they've got the lowest expected goals in the in averages per game in the league. And bear in mind, two of their goals scored, I think, have been from the penalty spot this season. So that they're really struggling to create chances from open play. They've only con- only conceded three goals, but their expected goals against is nearly 10. So they're massively overachieving defensively. I've said it before. I am very suspicious of teams like this, that you cannot keep those metrics up. The goalkeepers had a good season for them. Jakob Horgard, former IE Corman. Um, but you can't keep relying on your keeper week in, week out, unless he's truly exceptional. So, yeah, they've, they've really done well to get themselves 11 points so far, Jonathan. Um, I don't think they're playing that well. They got glimped uh, home in the derby of Northern Norway on the 16th of May round. So, uh, at the time of recording, I, I personally think they may well get found out in that game. But you, you know, points are points, aren't they, at the end of the day? Yeah, definitely. And uh, a word on Hamcam. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, our friend... Our good friend uh, Tom Dent's going to be fuming at that result. Um, you know, they're currently sort of not not too bad a start for them, but they are 14th in the league. They've had two wins and four defeats, uh, 10 goals scored, but they've conceded 16. What's your analysis of Hamcam so far? I think they're obviously mentally fragile def- defensively. After lo- When you lose 7-3 and you concede seven goals in one half, as they did against Viking, then that's going to have lasting effects. It just is. Um, in the short term and medium term. Um, yeah, then they lose against Mulder, 4-0. <clears throat> but on their own, losing to Viking and Mulder is is no disgrace, is it? And they would have they were the better team against Tromso, in my opinion, overall. They they deserve probably if anyone deserved to win the game, it was them. So I don't think things are as bad as they seem. Of course, everyone's coming out saying, Oh, this is why they were the favourites to be bottom of the table at the start of the season. And, you know, when you concede that many goals, of course, you're going to give ammunition to your critic uh, critiques um, out there. But uh, look, it's not as it's not as bad as it seems. I've seen enough from Hamcam um, in, in matches to suggest that they're going to be uh, more than competitive this season. But this is obviously a difficult phase for them. Uh, they just got to get out of this little bit of a, a mini bad run. Yeah, and even the uh, the official Twitter account said uh, after the game that um, the referee and VAR have played a main role in this result. So they said a bitter defeat for Hamcam where the referee and VAR... What was interesting, played- Jonathan, before we move on, the, the manager, um, Jakob Mikkelsen, actually said in an interview, I think, after the game that, that, that Sandberg was, was silly for doing what he did. So that he was, I think, reluctant to criticise the officials. But I... I <laughs> You know, who knows really what his true thoughts are in that way. You've got to be careful what you say, haven't you, to the media sometimes. So, um, but all they can do is focus on on, on getting some points in the next few games because, uh, you know, when you lost three in a row like that, pressure come, starts to can develop, doesn't it? Yeah, the pressures uh, can can start to grow quite quickly. <clears throat> Let's move on. Um, yeah, like I say, tweet us at Nordic Foot Pod um, or on the YouTube channel, of course, the uh, YouTube Nordic Football Podcast, subscribe. We're close to 500 subscribers. We love. We would love to have your support on YouTube and leave a comment there as well. Let us know what you think. Uh, next talking point, Steve, we've got to talk about this uh, this player who has been really kind of flying this season. You've talked about him a lot of times, but um, the deciding goal in the odd Lillestrøm game. Um, Lillestrøm currently now up to second in the league. Uh, four wins, two defeats. Just tell us what happened in this game and uh, the man that you do want to have a little word on. Yeah, and the man that I'm going to talk about is Akor Adams at Lillestrøm. We talked about in pre-season how he was going to be a key man for them, potentially in the shop window, perhaps for a summer move or 
a move at the end of the season. And he's doing everything right in, in that respect. He's now scored, um, I'm just working it out now, six goals in his last five Elitistarian matches. So he's absolutely flying. Lilstrom nicked this game. 93rd minute winner against Odd. To be honest, I actually thought they were outplayed slightly over the 90 minutes. As per usual with Odd, you never really think or feel that they've got the goals in them at the moment. I mean, 18 shots they had Odd in this game and just one on target, as opposed to nine attempts from Lillestrom and only one on target as well. So the finishing wasn't very good here. Nil-nil draw would have been fair, but, you know, in the 93rd minute, he was in the right place at the right time. Good positional striker to put the ball in the in the back of the net. And he, he, you can tell he's just so confident. He, he doesn't fear anyone. Nobody's safe against Akor Adams at the moment at all. And Lillestrom, this is why I said they'd do quite well this year, because, you know, certainly until midsummer, they're going to have a fearsome strike duo. Yeah, and it's a real kind of um, poacher's goal. Has there been any talk about him getting a move, Steve? You, you keep saying that he's uh, wanted, but is this a Nordic football podcast kind of inside exclusive or is this um, has there actually been any concrete interest in him? Because we've talked about him at least three or four times already this season. I've not actually looked, to be honest. I've not actually seen anything obvious, but I'm, it's a chance I might have missed something. But we're not, you know, scouts and stuff, they're not fools, are they? They would understand his qualities and abilities, and there's no doubt. We, we What we do know pre-season is obviously his entourage or you know agents and family were saying that there had been interest in the summer, but he didn't want to move then. You know, he was. They were saying more like the summer or end of the season. He, he quite liked the idea of developing his game with the Lustrum. So who knows how he's feeling now about that? But um, I've not actually been looking around, but I'm sure there simply has to be interest in this striker. Yeah, and it's a 93rd minute winner. That's always a good sign. He arrives and sort of goes into the box, doesn't he? And it's a real poacher's, poacher's effort. He's currently uh, he's currently actually just 0.01 um, expected goals off the top score, expected goal score in the league, which is Bord Finner. 4.89 xg board finna against uh Aquidus 4.88 so both of them are flying really but uh he's not uh, the you know the top scorer in the league is amar pellegrino but uh yeah adam's really doing quite well there steven leading that charge um but they are quite far behind glimpse at the moment who are seven points ahead of them although they've played a game more what's your um analysis of of glimpse just just briefly i think they're looking really good they're looking really hungry I talked about metrics previously there for, for Tromso. Well, you look at glimpse metrics, both ends of the field, and they're legitimately strong where they should be. And, you know, they've won six out of seven games. They've not really looked like dropping points in any match, apart from the Brand game, where Brand, I thought, played very well against them for an hour. And I think part of that is because when you're facing a team that you've not played against the previous season, and there's something a little bit different. But, Glimp seem to know how to handle all these other teams now. I mean, they won away from home against Lillestrom two rounds ago, which I thought was an excellent win because they had lost there in the Cup 1-0. They'd learned their lessons from that defeat and they just really were up for the fight physically. So um, I think everything is looking really good for Buda Glimps at the moment. And, uh, you know, tomorrow at the time of recording, yeah, I've got that big game against Tromso. They don't want to lose that because that would be bit of a blow but if they go there and do a job on on their bitter rivals who beat them last year then i think that's the next step towards you know regaining this championship at the moment though you know that they are seven points clear 
okay, Lillestrom have got a game in hand, but they're actually nine clear of Mulder, who, and Mulder is still, because of their overall depth and quality, the most realistic team to finish second right now. Yeah, and this was a this was a lively game three two against Rosenborg, who we're going to come to in a minute. Cause we've got a listener question. Did have a brief conversation about them last week, but uh, before that, Steve, tell me about Faris Mumbanya up front. Uh, what's his situation? Because he got the opening goal, uh, then Lipan, Vettelson, Ingerson, and then uh, Bjorki on goal, which actually ended up settling the game. But uh, tell me about Mumbanya. Do you know, frustratingly, I think I had it actually hit, had him in my fantasy team on the week I did Rich Uncle. And he didn't do much for me. And then he's come back and he scored two goals against Lillestrom and he scored against Rosenborg as well. So he's he's actually, you know what, his physical powers are causing problems to other teams. If you look, look at his goals against Lillestrom, if you have a moment, they two great headers in there. Um, and that is the sort of striker that Buda Glimp haven't really had for a while. It gives them a different dimension. So I think he's a he's, he's a powerful beast. His opening goal against Rosenborg, he just casually shakes off defenders. And he's a handful to deal with, you know. Um, so I think he's growing in confidence. Where's he from? You know, where's, where's Chris- he from? I'm reading here, he's a 22-year-old forward. But he's kind of come on the radar just recently, isn't he? A new signing. They got him from Christiansen. I actually always quite like this guy there, I must say. He, he showed moments at, at Christiansen where I'm like, yeah, there's, there's some, he's got something about him. And Glimp seemed to take a punt on this type of player and do really well with them. I think they're so good at identifying identifying talent who will do well in their system. Mumbanya might not, for example, if he was at Rosenborg, he probably wouldn't do very well. And, and other teams as well. That's where Glimp are so good. They know the type of players in general that they don't miss on many. Um, that will, will suit their system really well. But, yeah, I've actually been really impressed with him in the last two or three games. He's, he's got himself about on the football field and um, you wouldn't want to be defending against someone that's a bit of a beast like that. Similar to sort of Adams as well. Lillestrom, just horrible strikers to deal with. Interesting players. Cameroonian <clears throat> forward. Um, maybe one to keep an eye on because, like you said, it's a little bit of a different profile to what Glimps maybe the fluid style they have. He's a little bit more of a battering round potentially. Um, <clears throat> though, Steve, things are not going too well for them. I mean, the Bjorki on goal is a little bit unfortunate. A couple of decent goals in that game against him, but uh, we do have a question from um, again from Barisha Show. He asks, uh, how long does Rector have left in Trondheim? Um, just a couple of days if they don't beat Hargerson, in my opinion, because it, one I'll say they, they lost against Budiglim 3 2. It was a better performance from Rosenborg, but what you got to think of in that game is they weren't under any pressure. Um, it was almost like a free hit for them, really. No one expected them to get anything. I mean, if you just looked at the odds for that game, Buda Glimp were insanely short. You'd never have believed it five years ago. You were pricing that game up at this stage of the season. That's how the two teams have, you know, gone on different paths since since then. But um, yeah, it was an improved performance, but they still got no points. They've now lost how many games? There are three games in a row. They're winless in six since the opening day of the season. They have got massive, I think, offensive struggles. And now it seems defensively they've got issues as well. So the next, they do have a favourable run of fixtures, starting with Halverson at home. But I think time is starting to run out for Chettel Rechdal. And if, if he doesn't get a win against Halverson, the next game after that, is Bran away. So 
he could easily get sacked after either of the next two results in whatever fashion because you've got he's got to beat Hargison first and foremost. I think he needs a good performance. But then even after that, if they went and lost against Bran again, well, that could see him bite the dust as well because it just feels like it's not really working right now. Yeah, and they're 12th in the league, which is incredible, actually, when you look when you think about it. <clears throat> and uh, Haugerson, the sort of level on points with them, just a slightly worse goal difference. Um, I mean, they're only they're only level on points with Hamcam. I mean, if they were to lose against, they would if they were to lose in that next midweek game, could be in real trouble, like you say. Um, that game against Haugerson is a home game, but uh, you know, you never know how it will go. And we do have, by the way, if you are a follower on Patreon. Or if you are interested in our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, we will have a midweek preview show this week. Um, you'll have to get it quickly because uh, the midweek round does kick off tomorrow as we record this. Uh, we're on a Monday. But um, yeah, check that out for weekly previews, predictions, and also our 10 to watch. Uh, Svensk and an Elite Serian 10 to watches with Steve. Our players are playing pretty well. I had a successful weekend this week. Uh, two of my players are really shining at the moment. I'm not going to name who they are, though. So uh, one of them was on the score sheet for Hecken. But um, I well, hope you've enjoyed those, those uh, 10 to watches if you are a subscriber to our Patreon. You mentioned the 10 to watch there. One of my 10 to watches actually scored in that Fudiglund Rusenborg game as well. So uh, um, we know it's not Mumbania, but um, or <laughs> yeah, it was someone else. But um, I, I was just thinking as you were talking there, and you often ask me this, so I'll actually answer the question before you ask me. What would I do with with the managerial situation at Rosenborg with Jettel Rechtal? Because do I think he should be sacked or not? Is it the end of the ride for him? And that's a tough. I don't know because I, I I rate him as a manager. I think he's got a lot of quality aspects to him. Last season, they grew better as the season went on. The more weapons they gave him as well. Losing Casper Tengstedt was a big thing, but this is Rosenborg. They're arguably the biggest club in Norway probably still are you know the stature and it's not acceptable for a club like Rosenborg to have you know to be in 12th position after seven games it's just not and if it got worse or stayed the same for much longer then they just might have to make the decision um based on you know how sheer embarrassment sort of factor the feel the need to do something yeah, the sheer need to do something. And Rechtal is currently um, 41 games in charge since he joined in January 2022. And he's currently averaging 1.73 points per game, which I guess for a club like uh, Rosenborg is maybe not exactly what they expected. Funnily enough, when he was at Hamcam uh, back in 2020, his average um, points per game was 2.06. So he did significantly better than he's currently doing with Rosenborg's um, finances and clout. Um, but uh, yeah, not exactly. I mean, I know obviously Ham Cam at that time, I think we're in lower division, but uh, yeah, tough times for the uh, former uh, former manager of Wallerenga uh, and many other clubs. I mean, one of the clubs that he was former manager of, Steve, is Arlesund, and that's who you want to talk about because there's a bit of a quirk about them at this moment in time, Steve, and it's not really a very nice quirk, is it? Yeah, I, I don't want to be like a revolving record here because I feel like we're talking about Arlesund in detail on every single episode at the moment. They've never had so much airtime on the Nordic Football Podcast. But we have to keep mentioning them because they still haven't scored a goal yet at the time of recording. Seven matches, 
no goals, 1.6 defeats. Now, the match they've got on the 16th of May is a home game against Mulder as well. So I'm guessing it's not going to get much better for them. Um, they've got a, t- a temporary manager in charge called Marius Boo, who seems like a likable sort of the guy. But I don't think he's going to be the long-term answer for them. There's been whispers of Jana uh, Jonsson coming in, former Starbuck manager. He would be an experienced hand. But I said before, I would like Arlison to sort of get a progressive younger manager in, modern thinking. Maybe get a decent manager in from the Obosl again, who's been doing all right down there. Something along those lines, because this is just not acceptable. You're not going to stay up by not scoring any goals, are you? <laughs> so, I mean, I can't believe it. I've never known a team not score a goal in Elite Serien after seven matches, man. Jonathan. I've never ever. I don't, honestly can't remember. It's it's diabolical, isn't it? And their XG numbers, by the way. Um, they're not the worst team in the league for expected goals. Tromso are, but they're, they're not far off that. Yeah, so is it, I mean, is that bad luck then, or do they lack good strikers? I mean, not scoring a goal all season is, is, is either really bad luck or you're really, really bad. And you're saying their XG isn't too bad. So, you know, what, what exactly is this down to? <laughs> you know, who, who are we pointing out the fingers out front, or is it the full, is it the midfield maybe not creating? What's, what exactly do you put this down to briefly? Uh, well, they're, they're elite. Their actual XG average per game is 0.95. So times that by seven, what's that? It's over six goals, isn't it, that, that they should have scored by now. Um, but So it's a combination of they're not producing that. That's the third worst expected goals in the league, by the way. Uh, average only Tromso and Hargerson are worse. So they're not doing very well compared to other teams anyway. But they're also underachieving. They, they don't have good finishes in their team. When you've got that, it's like a lethal concoction, isn't it? You, you can't finish. You're not really creating that much either. Something's got to change. So I think the way around it is you bring a manager in who makes them create more chances. All right, it might make them more porous at the other end, but they obviously need more chances to convert into goals, don't they? So that's the way I would look around it. Secondly, of course, look into the transfer window maybe. I mean, that's coming up on June, July. And, and get someone who... Can who knows where the back of the net is? Yeah, I mean they're actually ninth in the league for shots taken. They've they've taken mm. yeah, according to our partners, Wise Scout, uh, they've actually taken sixty five shots at the time of writing, eight point six eight shots per match. So only thirty two percent of them are on target, but that's still better than a lot of teams. So either they're not taking shots from great positions, or they they have a you know poor like I say poor striker maybe. Um, Steve, who is leading the life at the moment? At the moment? Well, at the moment, they've obviously Isaac Atanga's not really worked out so far. We had high hopes for him. Um, yeah, there might still be a player in him, but he hasn't obviously found his feet yet. Moses Ebi has had minutes, and I said before, he's the last man you'd want on a one on one. Really, he just doesn't convert anywhere near enough of his chances. He's always going to underachieve his XG. Um, the young lad, Mokhtar Diop. Um, you know, there was talk about him coming into the team. I don't think he's hardly had any minutes. Um, it's difficult. They they do lack a they do lack a clinical striker. Um in yeah. that respect. And in terms of shots, you can have as many shots as you want, but if they're not high XG shots, you're better off having shots in a bar, aren't you? So 
You're better off mm. doing shots of tequila than taking 65 shots on goal from poor positions, I suppose. Um, yeah, and they are bottom of the league with one point. Uh, zero scored in 13 conceded, so comfortably the worst goal difference in the league. Actually, funnily enough, uh, curiously, top of the league, Glimp have plus 13 goal difference, so uh, very sort of a symmetrical mm. league table. Actually, ninth, I would have a zero goal difference, so I mean, it's a very well-balanced goal difference in terms of uh, in terms of uh, well-balanced league in terms of goal difference, but before we wrap up part one on this show, I mean, I mean the next game for Arlison, by the way, for anyone listening, is uh, as you've mentioned, uh, they're playing Molder next. So maybe you want to get some Molder defenders in your fantasy team if you're playing Elite Seven fantasy, because maybe that's a guaranteed clean sheet. Although some might argue that surely that run has got to end soon. Um, and while we're on the subject of fantasy, uh, congratulations to Sean Jackson, FK Hibbo. He is top of the league at the moment, followed by Luke Treaty, Molly's heroes. Uh, 511 points. But Steve, I just have to mention quickly, because I believe it's the first time ever in Elite Serian Fantasy that I'm above you in the league table. So, yes, I'm currently 69th in that league, and you are currently 79th, my friend. I'm delighted to say I'm above you in both leagues, which is uh, definitely a first in Norway, because I've never been so high in the Norwegian Fantasy League. Uh, This is the first ever year I think I've not been in the in the bottom five or six <laughs> but uh yeah you i'm sure you're gonna have a riposte to that but before we do before you do get your your word in edgeways let's move on to um our final couple of talking points for norway this week uh the big team that's worrying you at this moment in time and that is uh strum's godset yeah they are they are worrying me uh because i the big they've got a really massive game coming up on 16th of May against Sanderfield at home. If they don't win that, then I, I think the alarm bells are going to start coming out for me because we said pre-season there was a lot of question marks about Sturm's Godse, new manager Jürgen Isnes, who I was cautiously optimistic about, but I wasn't sure. He's completely changed the, the system tactically at the club. And I think when you have such a radical change, it can sometimes take time to to settle in, can't it? And from what I've seen so far, moving to a 3-4-3-ish type system isn't really suiting these players at the moment at Godset. And you know, the second bottom of the table, they've got only four points on the board. If you look at some of the fixtures they face, it's been a mixed bag of, of teams they face. So they have placed the likes of Mulder, but they've had winnable games as well. Not not one since the opening day of the season, which was against uh, Arlesund. Not exactly beating much there, are they? So, I, I just got... You know, when you get a feeling about a club early on in a season, you just have concerns. And you, and you, you, you part of you is thinking, should I give them longer, a bit more time, just to get a few points on the board? It could easily happen. But then, equally, you're thinking you can recognise warning signs. And I'm just starting to get some warning signs for Godset. So I think it's really important for them in the next three, four games to, you know, rack up six, seven points if they can. Um, otherwise, you know, we're going to get a new manager already again, put himself under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a t- tight game in their defeat against Mulder, 3 2. Mm. Um, you know, did they perform? A, did you see anything in that game to suggest that they've got some hopes or? You know, it's not a terrible result. I mean, you'd expect them to probably lose that game, but it was they kept it tight. Do you feel that that was maybe um, signs of encouragement? Brout Bruins 
uh, for example, on the score sheet? Yeah, they, I've looked at their metrics and their numbers, and they're not terrible. Um, defensively, a few concerns, but you know, they've been sticking in games. I mean, they've only just lost by one goal at Lillestrom and Mulder, for example, which isn't too bad. Um, I think they're another team that perhaps are underachieving a bit in terms of goals scored. If you take away the three they scored in the uh, match against Lillestrom, they've only scored four goals in those other fixtures. So I think there is a little bit of a problem perhaps going forwards. But um, yeah, that's, I've seen sort of glimpses here and there that things might be okay. But I, I just I just sense that a bunch of players that maybe don't suit this 3-4-3 three, three system, I think. I just think for that system, you need really good wing-backs. A wing-back is such an important position in football these days. I don't think Godset have got those sort of players. You know, I, that is... That's my concern if you're going to use that system. I think that I think he'd be better off in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. That's my personal opinion. That is the expert opinion of Meat Man Soccer Steve Wiss. Tweet us on Twitter at Nordic Football if you want to have a have your opinion. Or, or of course, you can always comment on our YouTube channel. Um, Nordic Football Podcast on YouTube. We're doing quite well there. We are keen to increase our subscribers. I'm going to keep talking about it until we cross 500. So we're very nearly there, but yeah, I will keep pestering you on that YouTube. So please hit subscribe on that. Um, and thanks to everyone who leaves comments, because we do get regular comments on YouTube, actually, Steve, don't we? Uh, from people who like the show. So um, that's going to wrap it up for part one. But before we do, you want to talk about the Norwegian Cup final. And there's no actual games this weekend. And um, as I said, we are going to have a, a preview show. So if you do enjoy that, then get on Patreon for that. But um you want to tweet quickly just preview that match and tell us all about it. Yeah, I think it's only right that we talk about the NM Cup final. The um there's actually going to be two cup finals this year in uh, in Norway, I do believe. This is the effect of the t- t- 2022 cup final. And it's between Brann and Lillestrøm on Saturday in Oslo and the 2023 Norwegian Cup starts just 2 days later. So whoever wins this is going to be defending their crown very, very quickly. But um, really intriguing game. Obviously, whoever wins it gets silverware, gets themselves into the Europa Conference League. I don't even know who I actually want to win the game. Honestly, um, I'm really torn between both. I think both teams are a great story, actually, in recent years of going down to the Obos League again, coming back again. Um, we've got a Scout article about Bram, which I, I wrote recently. I think the title was Rising Like a Phoenix from the Ashes, which is a little bit corny maybe, but um, it is kind of true. It's been a heck of a, a rebuild for Brown and, and Lillestrøm have been very similar. So it's a great example of teams of, of coming back and rebranding themselves and, and sorting themselves out. So I'd, I'd like to wish both of them the best of luck. I'd like to wish any fans who are going there from each club a great a great day in, in Oslo and, um, and may the best team win. Like I say, I, I, it's very rare that I'm genuinely on the fence with who I actually want to win a game of football. Um, and I'm 50-50. I, I, I've literally got a half-and-half half scarf here, <laughs> as bad as they are. Um, What's your prediction? My prediction, I'm going to go with Lillestrøm by one goal. I just think they've got a little bit more experience in their ranks, and I can't get away from that strike you of Thomas Len Olsen and, and Akor Adams. So I, I'm going to go with Lillestrøm. 
Mm, but you think it'll be a tight game is what you're kind of... Oh, saying. I think it could go either way. I mean, this this is... You're talking extra time, penalties, things like that. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. I mean, these two these are two of the best supported clubs in the country. So they're going to... It's going to be an electric atmosphere. And um, it's a shame I'll be on the cricket field while this is on. So I, I won't be able to watch it live. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great occasion. I just hope... You know, it's a made the best team win. I hope there's nothing stupidly controversial or whatever. And I just hope it's a great football game. And whoever wins it, enjoy enjoy their success. And it's something you sh- you need to enjoy your success in, in fantasy at the moment, Jonathan, while you can, um, because you're doing very well. Uh, in I, I, I actually didn't know you were ahead of me in fantasy, Elita Serian. Uh, but fair play to you. You're in, you know, 69. And I'm sure that's a position you're very comfortable with. Um, so hopefully I've got to, you know, I've got to chase you down and... Um, yeah, I sense you've got the bit between your teeth. Yeah, in, this in is the first time the I've ever, first time I've ever been uh, anywhere near that sort of position uh, in in fantasy. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, the game's going to be played in Oslo, so um, I assume that's a neutral venue. That's the Ullevar Stadium. Ullevar Stadium doesn't even no. I mean, no team even plays there anymore domestically. Dvalarenga used to play there, of course, but they've got a new stadium now. So it really feels like a Wembley sort of final, where you know it's the national stadium. Um, and I like that, you know, I really do like that about it. Yeah, it's going to be a cracker. So uh, we will see who who um, who lives from Silver and talk about it next week. <clears throat> I think that will do for part one. In part two, we're going to move to Sweden. We're going to touch on a few talking points. And uh, like I said, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want a Norway-specific uh, midweek preview of this midweek round's coming games. Um, but uh, we'll be back in part two to talk more and I'm sure there will be a little bit more fantasy discussion as well after this break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. You're with Steve Wiss and Jonathan for Dugba. We're going to move on to our Svenskan talk now. And uh, Malmo just keep rocking up and winning every week, don't they? 100% record for them. They are top of the table, 24 points. Elfsborg in second place on 19. Hecken on 18 points. And down in the bottom three, we've got Varberg, Sirius and Degafors only just ahead of IE Core and uh, EF Core Göteborg. So, uh, yeah, the season is now eight rounds old, Jonathan. And, uh, well, we've got to start with this 100% record for Malmo. They, it nearly wasn't 100% record, though, was, was it? Very nearly first points dropped of the season for Malmo FF. Uh, they are currently flying and... Um, it didn't it wasn't didn't go all their way against Hamster. Hamster are a notoriously quite a good team at home, hard to break down. They've had some really good results season. They've already been some quite big teams. Um including, of course, uh Champions Hacken, who they beat last week. So, you know, they they really have been doing pretty well. Um and it looked like it would be a tough test for Malmo. But of course, as a, as you've just rightly pointed out there, they uh they are looking pretty unbeatable at the moment. And uh, they saved it till late. It was a 96th minute winner from Patriot Sadiju. Just when it looked like it was going to be a nil-nil draw, Steve, right behind the Malmo away fans, um, behind their goal, um, a little bit of play down the left-hand side, Vecchia with the ball into the edge of the box, Patriot Sadiju, who's 
you know, been he's come through the academy, I believe, and he's been, you know, in and out of the team, and he's he's sort of looked at points where he might break through, and then it's been points where he's been on the bench and things like that. But he really stepped up in that last in that last minute of that match, absolutely pounded it, left in space on the edge of the area, and left footed banged it into the top corner. Um, crowd went wild, and it was a real kind of this is what champions do, really, wasn't it? It was real that kind of sense of the goal, eight wins in eight. Uh, the quickest, I think I was reading on Twitter today from uh, Scanalagit, which is a very good Twitter account, um, Malmo fans account. And it was basically putting together the quickest teams to get to 24 points, how long it took them. This is one of the quick, this is the quickest um, team to get to 24 points in Ospenskan, um in the last 20 years. So that just tells you how well they're doing. Even um, according to this account, uh, Hacken below them in Ellsborg are actually doing well points-wise compared to previous title winners of the last few seasons. But they are already, you know, they're already playing catch-up on Malmo because they're just doing so well at the moment, 24 points, uh, that they've already got a five-point lead ahead of Ellsborg in second. So, yeah, everything's going well for Malmo at the moment. They look very good. And I guess it was summed up by uh, Patriots Adiju pretty much saying that you know, we are we are the top dogs at this moment in time in in Osvenska after the match. Do you know what George interests me? I saw that this goal and the, the crowd, the Malmo fans went absolutely bonkers. I really sensed there was a massive celebration and reaction, and it surprised me a bit. It this is just you just beating Halmstad, Halmstad away. They're a, they're a newly promoted team, and I I was just a little bit surprised. I know it was last minute. But it just felt like there was. It made me think of the the stuff that you were saying in the preseason um, season preview episode about their hunger and desire and motivation to just get this title back and prove that they're the top dogs. And I may I maybe didn't realize how much of a stinging sensation last season was for the club. That's the sense that I'm getting from everyone involved that they're absolutely hell bent on reaffirming their dominance again in in the Alsvenskan. Yeah, I mean, I think the the key to it is, uh, as I've, as you just said there, they, they've got that hunger in the eyes. I said it in the preseason um, podcast that there was a few comments from Anders Christensen where he said when he was at the sort of awards gala and things like that, Malmo weren't given any awards and they were kind of um, not predicted anywhere near the top and a lot of other teams were talked about. I think he mentioned in an interview saying that, you know, no one's sort of considering Malmo this year and he... he some of the comments he made stuck in my mind to this day because I could sense a little bit of anger at, at like just being left out of the big conversation. Obviously, Hacken have been the main talking point in the season. Then there's teams like Eurogarden um, who have spent money, ARK have spent money. And I just feel like a lot of the Malmo players who were there last year felt a bit burnt. You mentioned the fans, Steve. I think there's a real, there's a real kind of um, collective feeling at Malmo at the moment, which they lost last season. You know, last year, I think the fans got really annoyed with the running of the club. There was a lot of protest. People were re- really angry, I think, fans, with how badly they'd done. You know, after the sort of um, Yondal Thomason years where they got in the Champions League, got to the group stages, you know, played the likes of Chelsea, Juventus. They really let their, took their eye off the ball last season, even in Europe, you know, just kind of went out with a whimper. There were many really, really poor performances, three different managers, Um it really just went off the ball. And I, I just feel like Malmo, it reminds me of the season, Steve, when Manchester United, and I think it was Ferguson's last season, when uh, they signed Robin Van Persie and they just went on a run. Like from day one, it was like they were completely on it. They were like, we want, we want our title back. 
you know, kind of feeling. Uh, and they just they're the bit between their teeth from the minute go. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Malmo at the moment. It's like we want our we want our trophy back. You know what I mean? Like Hacken, letting Hacken win the league. I feel like it stung them a little bit. You, you know, you mentioned the fans, Steve. That we've posted it on Twitter a couple of times already this season when they've won games at home. The f- the players have been dancing in the stands with the fans They're going in yeah. there with the microphones mm. like, like, uh, like in a Bundesliga sort of thing. Um, they've really created a good atmosphere, which Riestrom, I guess, has to take some credit for Henry Riestrom, the manager. I've seen a few links on Twitter this week of people doing tactical analysis of his of his tactics. He's starting to get a bit of a street cred, I think. You know, Steve, you always know when non-Scandinavian sort of Twitter accounts start talking about a manager and their tactics. Yeah, that's when you know that they're, they're, their profile is going to a new level. I remember Kittel Knutsen. It was only when, you know, the New York Times and and a couple of sort of big fan accounts started talking about Glimp that they, you know, he really started to get that cred. And I'm just seeing that a little bit now with Reesstrom. You know, I wrote a Wisecout blog on him last season, literally about a year ago when he was at Kalmar, um, about his tactics and his approach. But he's kind of gone under the radar. But now, Steve, he's, you can, I get the sense that he's starting to come on the radar. And it's not just him, Steve. It's a lot of their players um, that are um, being watched, let's say. But as, as it stands at the moment, they're just, they've just got a feeling of, of unbeatability at the moment. They just look, they just look like really, really confident. I think the fans are loving the football that they're playing as well. I think that's a big part of it. It's not just that they're winning. You know, the, they've had the sort of um, Uwe Rossley years. They've had the Yondar Thomason years. Um, I think Thomason's football and style was a bit better than Rossler's. But I think Reedstrom's taken it already to a new level. And it's also the strength and depth, Steve. They've just got so many good talents, exciting young players to watch in that team that the whole package is just kind of exciting to be a Malmo fan and I think that was reflected by those celebrations at the end there. The, 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 the celebrations just they still shock me a bit because it's almost feels like they've not won a title for 10 years or something the way that they've been going about it there um, but it just shows you one bad year can really get everyone desperately wanting success again and you know fair play to them so far i've got a question to ask you from uh vicky at um at borough vicky quite an interesting uh, twitter profile actually polish borough journalist from gdansk in malmo powerlifter and f1 fan so uh she or he i i guess it's a she i don't know i'm gonna get myself in trouble here i might have to edit this bit out but anyway vicky asks opinions on hugo larson's rumored transfer to dortmund yeah, and this is um, something that came out. Uh, sorry, this is something that came out uh, just in the last few sort of days. Um, Larson's been linked with a lot of clubs, Steve. Uh, I mentioned in preseason and and on various uh, ten to watches, maybe hint hint that he uh, he he has turned out a move to Dor- to Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth put a twelve million euro bid for him, I think, in January, and he basically turned it down um, because he didn't want to um, jump ship on Malmo straight away. He's only been in their senior squad for just over a year, you know, the 18-year-old. Um, <clears throat> so I thought that was a mature decision from him, but it has leaked kind of at the moment that uh, according to Radio 1910 podcast, uh, he is closing in on a move to Bundesliga giants, Borussia Dortmund. There is enormous interest in him. Uh, sports manager Daniel Anderson said to Football Scanalan, which is a wonderful establishment that I currently write a weekly blog for on the Premier League, Football Scanalan. Um, a major sort of Swedish website, uh, and they've reported the comments from Daniel Daniel Anderson saying that the amount of interest in him 
I mean, I know, Steve, for sure that there's a lot of clubs watching this player, Larson. Um, the the rumours are that he could be close to breaking the Osvenskan transfer record. Um, can they keep him till... So, so in terms of Vicky's question, you're right, there's definitely a lot of interest. Is it going to actually happen to Dortmund? I'm not entirely sure. But the the one thing you can say with real certainty is there's a lot of people watching him. He's a midfield player. Um, you know, I tend to watch goes into him a little bit in a little bit more detail. But he's a wonderfully gifted sort of midfield player. He can play through the lines. He can he can make run vertical runs through midfield. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. Like I said on, I think I said it once. He's a kind of he's kind of like Malmo's De Bruyne, if that makes sense. He's, he's just got that little bit of edge to him. Um, Maybe not in terms of goal scoring and that side of it, but just in terms of his passing um, and his vision. And um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot of interest in him, Steve. He's played nearly 60 games now for Malmo's um, first team already, and he's still only 18. Yeah, he's an incredible, incredible young talent. And he's uh, obviously one of the main reasons why they've been doing so well this season. So fair play to him. And uh, moving back to the league table here and the defending champions, Hecken. And Elfsborg at the moment are providing the biggest threat to Malmo. Hecken, uh, again, uh, I mean, when they get into... They're such a strong team at home, aren't they, Hecken? They scored an unbelievable amount of goals at home. Another strong performance for them. 6-1 beating of Degafors, who continue con who continue to concede a lot of goals. Very, very convincing victory. Um, and the two teams are playing each other in the next round. I mean, all, it's very early doors. But uh, if um, and we'll talk, maybe talk about that match as a bit of a preview in a minute. But it looks already like Hecken may need to go to Malmo and actually win to uh, to keep this title race alive. But uh, you know, when he's scoring six goals heading into that contest, it's going to serve you well. Yeah, well, we did do a talk a lot about Degerfors last week's show. Obviously, I went to see them live in in Gothenburg against EFK uh, Yotsburg, Backen's rivals. Another six goals conceded there. So they've kept up their record of conceding six goals every time they take a trip to Gothenburg. I don't know what exactly it is with six goals in Degelfors, but they um I think it was actually lucky that it was only sixty. If Hacken took their eye off Hacken took their foot off the gas after sixty minutes, game was done. If Tacken really wanted to, I genuinely think they would have could have scored fifteen. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever said that about any team. Um every single time they attacked, they scored. Like not not even I'm not even joking. Every time they went forward. I mean, Degafors equalised with a wonderful goal from uh, Vukievich. Sorry, I tweeted it. Um, the highlights of that goal. Uh, he, he received the ball and belted. Well, it was probably the best goal of the game, in fact. 20-yard um, effort, top corner screamer. And I'm not joking, Steve. Literally from the kickoff, Hacken just practically walked up the other field and walked up the other end of the pitch and just scored a second goal to go 2-1 up. It was that easy for them. It was almost like, OK, you've scored. We're just going to go and score now. Um, I, I genuinely think if they were really on it and really interested, they would have scored 15. After 60 that minutes... An, that is an incredible statement to make. But, I mean, just how bad are Degafors? The reason I say that, dude, because once it got to 6-1, uh, Hacken made a range of changes. Um, they took off Sadiq, who's just come back from an injury. They took off... Uh, I think Larson went off in the end. Udenas came on. They brought on Mohamed Sonko. Uh, you know, who um, the 18 year old talent, as I say, patreon.com slash Nordic football podcast to hear more about this player. Uh, he he scored immediately after coming on. Lovely 20 yard effort. Um, it was almost like Hacken were weakening their team on purpose just to play out the match, not to embarrass Degafors. 
you know, every time everyone every time someone scored, they took them off the pitch. We're like, okay, you, you know, you've done your part. Um, Benny Triari could have scored five. Um, they cut through them at will. I said it in the podcast last week in terms of analysis of Degafors that their midfield is just so open with the fullback wingback system that they play. They leave so much space in that midfield. Regard and Gustafsson just played through them um, at will. They could score any time they wanted. They could score. They they don't mark the wide areas. So like the the wing backs. I mean, one of the wing backs I don't think is actually a defender. Um and I think he's actually traditionally previously a midfielder or a winger. They have no real defensive sense, the two the two wing backs. So once you get in behind there, there, you can put crosses into the box at will. Um, you can go through them in midfield because they don't really have much defensive effort. I mean, to concede six once is fine, Steve. But to do it twice in two weeks is, in my opinion, a, a complete disgrace. Like, like, you know. We are quite critical sometimes on this point in terms of teams, and but we try to be fair. But I genuinely think it was the most disgraceful performance I've seen in my time watching Aspenskan. That performance because because of the fact that they because of the fact they conceded six two weeks earlier, it, it showed me no intent to kind of like close up shop at all. It was like we're just going to do the same thing again, and I don't care how many like there's. It, I felt it felt to me like the manager had made no effort to get to the heart of their problems that they when they conceded six against the F-Core. Um, obviously, Hacken are a better team. But I've never seen a team just so easily carved open. Like I say, and I'm not even exaggerating, it could have been 15-1. If they, if Hacken really wanted to score goals, it could have been, it would have been 15-1. If they played the full team for 90 minutes, um, they concede from set pieces, they concede from wide areas, they concede from central areas, they are outpaced, the, the centre-backs are weak, they don't mark their man. Um, several times Traore was free in the six-yard box, no one marking him. supposed to have three centre-backs in a 3-4-3 system, Steve. How can you have one striker have, being unmarked in the penalty area in the six-yard box? Consistently. Um, as I say, the most pathetic performance I've probably seen in those fence scan. Um, I think it was borderline sackable offence for the managers to just show no attempt to close the doors. Um, if I ever see them concede six again, I think the manager should be sacked, just on principle alone. That's simple as that. Well, yeah, <laughs> incredible. Um, Just for lack of effort, like for lack of trying. I mean, surely, Steve, if you concede six, you would think to yourself, "Let's, what, how do we address this?" You know, I, I think it go, I remind, reminds me of the interview I did with Tom Dent at the back end of last season, and he was saying about most teams in Elitisarian, they never make any attempt to adapt their own style; they play it their way. And their way only. And Degafor seem to fit into this mold. It's like we only do this system. If it works, it works. If not, it, it doesn't. And I, I don't think in terms of adaptability, they obviously have a rating of zero, don't they? It seems. Yeah. I mean um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's an element of that. But I think you get to I mean, let's be fair to that. I mean, I'm not slamming Degafors in general. I'm talking about these specific two performances. Well, it's not good enough. Yeah, I mean, and, saying, at yeah. home, at home, Steve, they've beaten Uruguay, for example. They they're yeah. a different animal at home, and maybe for them, they they're, maybe they're, their theory is, if we continue with this system and we get enough home wins, you know, in front of our fans with that three four three star, they are quite attacking. So sometimes it can pay off at home. That maybe, like you said, the adaptability comes in, and they think, well, we don't need to sort of work on others other systems. But away from home, Steve, like it is genuinely a disgrace, like to be that bad. I mean, this is the third time I've seen them concede six in, a, in one year. Um, they managed to stay up. I mean, at this moment in time, I think they're just around hovering around the relegation zone. I think they're 14th. 
23 goals conceded by by far the most in the league. Okay, they scored eight goals. You look at the, you look at players like you know Campos up front. Kind of he doesn't track back at all. They they it's either the manager's fault or it's the players' fault that they're just not trying enough in terms of like defensively. And as I say, Hacken genuinely, I'm not even exaggerating, could have scored at any time they wanted in that match. It was that easy that they every single time they thought right, let's let's up the intensity for a little bit. They scored. They're not going to have it as easy at Malmo, are they? So. You know, Malmo are odds actually odds on favourites to win that game. Everyone's presuming they, they're going to beat Hecken here, but um, is this a match where I, I called it? They must not lose the game. Have Hecken actually got a win in Malmo though to keep the title race alive? You think? Well, I think this is going to be really this is going to be a must-watch game in my opinion. I think that I mean Malmo aren't going to work. I mean, I mean, could they win thirty games in a row? I'm not sure about that. Um, could they go unbeaten for the season? You know, at this rate, you know, Patriots Adijo has come out and said, we are by far the best team on the offence game, which is a brave thing to say for a player after eight matches. I think that is, you know, almost doing the team talk for Hacken a little bit because they are the champions, let's not forget. But, you know, when you're so full of confidence, he, he's probably right to say it in terms of the strength and depth Malmo have. I think it'll be a really interesting game. There's a big blow for Malmo. Bussinello will miss the game through suspension. He's been a good player for them. The left back. Um, and that's important because Hacken have really good wide wide forwards. Um, Larson and Sadiq. Sadiq is upping his fitness. He looked pretty good against Degafors. Um, not sure if he'll play full ninety because he's just come back from injury. But he's, um, you know, he he'll be an important player for them. So, they've, but they've got Martin Olsen, former Blackburn left back, who can come in uh, as the replacement. So they've got squad depth. You know, you look to their bench, Steve. You've got the likes of Vecchia. Uh, they had Soren Reeks. They've got. Um, Taha Ali sort of played, but he, he's been often on the bench. They've got a lot of options for, for Riesdrum to juggle the team around. Um, I don't even think we've seen the best of Malmo yet in terms of tactical styles and formations. I'm sure he's working every week on that training ground. I wouldn't underestimate Hacken in this game. I'm going to be totally honest. I, I think that although Malmo have been really, really good, I, I wouldn't underestimate Hacken in this match. I, I'm not I'm not going into this thinking it's going to be easy for Malmo. I think... Um, Every time I watched Hacken away from home last season in big games, they stepped up and I often didn't expect them to. So this is going to be a really good game, I think. This could be the game of the season for me. In terms of tactical styles, exciting football, two teams who play in an entertaining way for the fans. Um, both teams are going to want to win. I, I just think it's going to be a really entertaining game. If, you, if you're into the, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm guessing means you quite like football from different countries and different styles. I would definitely not miss this game. And are you going to give us a prediction or not? I don't think you can predict it, but uh, I'm not going to predict it because I, I honestly don't know. Uh, in terms of a sort of tactical breakdown, I wonder if Reeson might try something, might try, might have a trick up his sleeve. Sometimes he's played three at the back this season. Um, we know we know what Hacken will try and do. They'll try and get into the wide areas, maybe the overlapping fullbacks trying to get runs into the box. So I think Reeson will be aware of that. The, the midfield battle is going to be so good. Gustafsson and Regard against sort of Hugo Larson and Christiansen. Both of them are quality players. Tikita Telen against Triore Triore. You know, both of them going for the top goal scorer in the league at the moment. They're both well matched, Steve. I think. 
it wouldn't surprise me if I can get a result. I I, mm. I could see them, I could see them getting their. The, I could see them stopping Mama's run. That, that's all I'll say. I'm not I mean, I, 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 I kind of hope Hacken actually win the game because we don't want a, we don't want a runaway title winner, do we? Because I mean, I, at the start of the season, I did say I think Mama would win it by ten plus points. Um. So part of me is like, do I want to be proved right? But we don't want a boring runaway leader, do we? So I, I actually kind of hope Hecken get a result. I mean, um, if I had to predict, I, I could say two two or something like that. Might be a might be a mm, might be a scoreline. Could, be, could be could be high scoring those lines, yeah. Um, but I think that every time Hacken have had a challenge in the last year, they've they've shown balls, and I think they um they're not to be underestimated. So I don't think it'll be an easy game for Mama. I'll tell you what else well wouldn't mind a two-all draw because they are actually second place at the minute, 19 points. I mean, I guess the question is, are, are Elfsborg for real, Jonathan? Because they've been scoring a lot of goals of late. I, I must say, I do think their fixtures have been quite favourable, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. And um, there's no doubt in that this offence is, is firing a lot at the moment. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I would agree with you. I think I think they are good. Um, as I mentioned, they've had a really good run. If you if you go and scan a Laggett Twitter account, um, they've got the full kind of record of the points totals. Um, I think I retweeted it, but I'm not sure. The in terms of quickest teams to get to sort of certain points totals, and in terms of Elfsborg's points total at this moment in time, Steve, it would I think it would have put them top la, this time last season of the league. Um, 19 points in in eight games is a decent return. Um, I think that as you mentioned there, they've. I watched the game against Varnamo and I think that they they have a little bit of they've had a little bit of an easy run. I mean they lost at home to Hacken and they were quite well beaten in that game, first game of the season. Hacken sort of dispatched them, I thought, uh, were comfortably the better team. Since then they've played Varberg, Brummerpoikener, Degafors away, Mialbi away, Halmstad, Sirius, and Varnamo. That's literally, I think, the bottom six or seven um in the league bar Mialbi. Um so I think they've had an easy run of fixtures. Their next run coming up, North Shopping away, Malmo at home, Eurogarden at home, AIK away, Hammerby at home, and then Kalmar away. I think that's where we're going to start to learn more about Ellsborg. Um, so I do think this run is a little bit uh, fortunate in that sense, um, although they have you know won six straight. I think that I think they will have bigger challenges, like I said, and these games will, in terms of their forwards and, and stuff like that, I didn't I didn't actually think they were that good against Varnamo in terms of their attacking play. Um, they seem to be a team that is much better in the second half. Seems to be a team that sort of, maybe Jimmy Hattelin, the manager, sort of has a good impact at halftime and maybe changes things around because if you look at the game last week against Sirius as well, they were they were 2-1 down and that game came back to, to, to sort of win 4-3. Okay, I know they got two late goals, but you know he changed a few things um, just after half time. Uh, similar to the Varnamo game, it was near the half time. They they looked quite laboured, I thought, in the first half against Varnamo. Varnamo always well drilled. Um, they they got bodies into the wide areas, sort of t- always left them two v one in the wide areas, um, doubling up on them to make sure they stopped the crosses into the box. Um, but they sort of jigged it around a bit in the second half. Elsborg and Andrej Jacob Andrej is the man in form. Um, he continued his scoring run. Bernhardson also got, got a goal. And yeah, they've got good options. They've got good options. I think the biggest thing for Ellsbrook, Steve, is I bet they regret selling on Andrejka already because I think they could have doubled their money on him now uh, if they had held on to him. Um, he's obviously got an already, he's got a transfer already agreed to Royal Antwerp in Belgium. But uh, 
given the way he started this season, Steve, I reckon they probably could have doubled their money if they'd have kept him for a few more months in terms of that agreement. So probably kicking themselves a little bit on that one. But um, really good start for them. I think the manager has improved the team a lot this season. Um, but I think they've got bigger tests to come. A word on uh, on the main man at the back, Johan Larsson, the top-scoring Alsvenskan fantasy defender. So impressive that he's even forced you to buy him back in your team for the first time this year. He keeps... I mean, he's the captain. He, he always seems like a really calm and consistent figure in their team. Yeah, well, their benefit is they've got a really good back forward. Niklas Hull as well, experienced player. You'll know him, Steve, from Liga. He played for Nice. Um, the two centre-backs as well aren't, aren't bad. You're right, Larson. I could no longer just. It's like having an itch on your back, and you, at the end of the day, you just no matter how much you want to ignore it, at a certain point, you just have to scratch it. Uh, I couldn't let you just keep chipping away at the points total with Larson, so I have had to get him in my fantasy team. I've had a good week on fantasy, ninety-six points. I don't think many got more than me this week, but um, I see I'm closing in on the top ten in, in the Nordic Football Podcast League. Uh, but yeah, Larson, he's just a solid campaigner i mean he's decent in the tackle he makes good passes he can get assists he can get goals he obviously scored um the winner against sirius a late goal um yeah just a solid customer steve i think you you know you you probably will rave about him more than me i've never really liked him because he's always uh he's always cost me in fantasy to be honest with uh, you having him consistently but i'm happy to have closed that gap now i've had to bite the bullet and uh, get him in my team well, the, the the itch on my back is now uh, on on Dredgeka. I feel like I missed the boat with him, and he's going to be gone in in four more rounds, isn't he? So I think I'm just going to have to do out without him. But he keeps racking up significant points, and I, well, he's a problem for me because Elfsborg actually have the highest scoring defender in the game, the highest scoring midfielder in the game. They've actually got the second highest scoring keeper, actually. I think you've got the keeper, haven't you? I think uh, Vladimarsson, uh, only three points off Darlin. So, you know, they, <laughs> mind you, they, I think they do have, they have had some favourable fixtures. I think they will struggle in the next few weeks, but fair play to them so far. I, I do quite like seeing Elfsburg doing well, I must say. Um, anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. Not Things are not going so well in Stockholm, but there is plenty of entertainment in the uh, derby match. Uh, Hammerby. Uh, with a much-needed victory against Diff. Crazy, wild game, this. Yeah, and I think we probably won't have time this week, but it was definitely one where we could have had a similar... Um, well, there's no VAR in Elspence game, which is a, a beautiful thing. But we could have had a similar debate about a penalty that was awarded early in the game to Hammerby um, for a handball. 50-50, maybe. Um, there were several penalties. I think there was three penalties awarded. Uh, but yeah, Hammerby finally got off the, you know, not it's not their first win, but they finally sort of got up and running. You know, Derby is always a massive occasion. I think there was 26,000 fans in the stadium, roughly, just a little bit more than that. Um, the win takes them up to ninth, which was really important. It's just only their third win uh, against their big rivals, Jurgen. Yeah, it was a... It was an entertaining game, actually, Steve. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fans in the stadium. Same thing as always in East Stockholm derbies. You could barely see the pitch because of the smoke bombs um, in the first half. It's hard to see what's going on. Uh, but Nahir Basara, two two penalties, um, and of course uh, Marcus Danielson scored a penalty for for Jurgen late on. Uh, so there was plenty of talking points in this one. Um, Mickelson got his first goal as well. August Mickelson, former I think he was at Tromsø, wasn't he? Um, and Redetinak, <clears throat> Nathaniel Ajay as well. And uh, Edwin Curtis on goal. So 
yeah, there was an interview at the end of the game. Steve Marty Fuentes was delighted. I think he even tweeted um, today saying thanks to our fans. You know, when managers on Twitter, Steve, that things are going well because most managers aren't really on Twitter much when uh, it's not going well, are they? They're generally hiding from the negative comments they probably get. But um, yeah, he 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 came out in the post-match interview and was sort of he, he looked delighted. He looked really relieved. They had a lot of injuries actually in the game, Steve. Yukanovic uh, went off injured. Um, they had another injury, uh, an early injury as well. I think it was to Mads Fenger. So there was a lot of um, a lot of things going on in this match. But uh, yeah, it was a, definitely a derby that lived up to the hype. Yeah, and Jurgen just continue to have massive, massive away problems for them this season. Four road losses in a row. Um, neither team really where they want to be in the table. Eighth and ninth and and thirteenth place for Icor. We've had a question from uh, about Icor, actually. It was from Benjay from the Belgian uh, podcast. Uh, first of all, he said, who do you guys recognise have been Belgian from the Elitisarian by the end of the summer? With a bit of a laughing emoji after that. But early doors, he said, if AIK or IFK went down, which which would be the bigger shock for you? Um, I don't think there'd be a bigger shock because they're both massive clubs. I mean, AIK have actually been down in the last twenty years, roughly. Mm. I, think, uh, I think I'm right in saying two thousand and nine. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, they they have they have had a big relegation. EF Core, I don't think have. <clears throat> don't think EF Core have been relegated for many many years. So they've they've actually been in the league longer than AIK. AIK had a lot of problems in the early early two thousands, and, and and that led to that relegation. Um, I don't think either team will go down anyway. But, um, yeah, my answer is I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit and say either team going down would be would be a big story. But I don't think it will happen. In terms of a player to go to Belgium for Melita Serian, I'm really I'm not sure. I, I'll have to think about that one. But it's, it's got to be Acor Adams, surely. I nearly did say Adams, but then I'm thinking maybe he's better than Belgium. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, I, Gift Orban went there, didn't he? So maybe that's the same sort of roots uh very interesting question from ryan hunt here in the opening quarter of the season in sweden which team have you been impressed with the most or a surprise package and the same in terms of a disappointing team or worried for the drop already yeah i really love this question thank you ryan um the team i'm most surprised with is is either north shopping or bromo poikana Probably Bromopoikana just because they are fifth in the table. They've had an incredible start to the campaign. I thought they'd be rock bottom pretty much. Um, I think I've massively underestimated them, to be honest. I think I've... Uh, it's probably one of the few times I would say that I've, I think I've got the preseason preview completely wrong on them. Um, maybe not paid enough attention to them, so I've got to hold my hands up, really, because they've been phenomenal so far. I don't know if this is just an early start and they, if they can sustain it. Um, four wins out of eight. They, they've they've really held their own in almost every game, and the result beating Kalmar away is really impressive. Uh, Fritzen, Pettersson, and Kroon, they they went one 0 down, but uh, came back. And Kalmar is not an easy place to sort of go and win when you're a, a newly promoted side. So I think that was a massive result. They've obviously also beaten uh, Varnamo away. They got I, I don't know what's happened here because they look bloody awful in the first three rounds. They got battered by Augsburg five nil, and it could have been ten. I've not got a clue where this has come from for Bromma Poikin. It looks like they're playing legitimately good football. Yeah, and they kept four, four clean sheets in a row until the yeah. Kalmar game. 
Um, so they really tighten things up. They've got an 18 year old goalkeeper um, in, as well, who's who's keeping out Oscar Lina, which is an interesting storyline. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, um, Steve, you got a you got a gift in your uh, in your goodie bag this week, and the, the former Giftson's foul goalkeeper um, Oscar Lina is back on the bench again. Remember, everywhere the, he goes, he goes on the bench. Yeah. Is he even that good? Remember, he terminated his contract last season because he was benched uh, at Giftson's foul and. He came to Bromapoikin and he's on the bench again now for, in place of an 18-year-old. So clearly things aren't going his way. Um, don't think he said too much this time around, but yeah, he's uh, he's obviously probably not happy. Um, so Bromapoikin are probably the answer for me. North Shopping, I think, have been fantastic as well. I think they're a really positive thing going on there. They look like a good side. The team that's disappointed me the most or worried for the drop already, I would say, is Degafors. <laughs> surprise, oh. surprise. For There's two teams. teams below them in the table, though. Is that concerning for, for Sirius and Varbeck? I think Sirius have been slightly unlucky in some games. I mean, Sirius haven't actually won a game yet this season. They've, they've drawn five. Um, and Varbeck, I've predicted they go down anyway. So I'm not that doesn't surprise me one bit. No. Um, Varbeck are just kind of a bit of a nothing team, in my opinion, in the sense of I don't think they have a really clear identity. They've just got too many players. Uh, that's what I said in, in the preseason show. Um, you know, I would have had EF Core, maybe, uh, maybe OA Core is the most disappointing. Um, but I kind of saw it coming in preseason. I did, I did say about okay, I think they, I think they will struggle just because of the transfers they've made. But I, you know, didn't see them being 13th, obviously, after nearly a third of the season. Um, so you could argue for them as well. Yeah, okay, but uh, serious. I think they will pick up more points. They were, they were quite unlucky against Elfsburg, for example. They shouldn't have lost that game. They just switched off and conceded two late goals, for example. That could have been another three points, which would see them kind of 12th, which would have been, you know, about maybe their level. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, my answer is going to be Degafors and AIK. I just think Degafors don't get me started again, but I just <laughs> I think their defense is just disgraceful. Like, it, to me, it's to me, it's actually unacceptable. Their defense, how they defend. I think like, Degafors, Degafors are that bad that, that they genuinely make your blood boil. Like, um, <laughs> seriously, I just I mean, who they got next? They've got, I think they've got a double match day actually. So load Maybe. load up on their defenders for the double match day. But um, the thing is that I, both of the games are at home, and they're not bad at home. That's the thing. But well, when you've conceded twelve, how many? I mean, fourteen goals in three games. Um, it is. I take. I, do I don't even mind. If you, I don't even mind if you're conceding loads of goals, but it's when <laughs> you just keep doing the same thing. Like that's at least, at least try something different. Maybe tr- if you're five nil down, Steve, or four nil down. For the second week running, at least go to a back four, maybe, and just say, "Look, let's shut up shop here." Mm, like, yeah, don't just continue with the same thing. Um, basically, Hacken just—I mean, I'm, I promise <laughs> I will this be my final point on it. But Hacken basically let them off that game in that match. It was like Hacken decided we don't want it you anymore. wanted them. You wanted yeah. them to put them to the sword, didn't you? It was like they wanted to be humiliated, and Hacken were like, "You know what? Let's just make another substitution. We'll make another substitution just to make it a bit easier for you." It was like they—they they were begging to be humiliated, um, as if six wasn't bad enough, but. Uh, yeah, the two most disappointing teams for me that so far this year, I would say, Arake and Degafors defensively. I think the episode, the title of this episode has got to be something like Daggers Out for Degafors because <laughs> it certainly has been uh, that way. One one final question, if I'm firstly enthusiast, the next manager in our, the next great manager in our Svenskan after Ridstrom, I mean, he's not even the best manager in the league, is he? Jonathan, I mean, next greatest, he's not even the greatest right now. Reedstrom. Mm. Well, who is the greatest? Well, I, I mean, I. This is opinionated, but I mean, I would 
certainly put a couple of others potentially in his bracket right now. I mean, um, well, I think Anders Torsen's at Miabi has got him to the cup final with basically no resources whatsoever. Mid table, well, top six right now. I think if you put Torsen's in that Mount Malmo setup, he'd do just as good a job. I mean, you've got to look at what's been going on at Hacken in the last couple of years. I mean, don't get me wrong, Ridstrom's done a great job at Kalmar and he's got a great style at Malmo, but is he unquestionably the top dog? I mean, this is probably a debate for another podcast, isn't it? Best managers and whatever in each league. But I mean, I don't. I, let's 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 ask the question here: Is there like an up and coming young manager that you really got your eye on in, in the league? I mean, I think you make a fair point. He he is the top dog now, but that's because of stylistically. I mean, how can it score more goals than Malmo, by the way, this season? So it's the defensive record that makes Malmo so good, but. We can't ignore Permetti Sogmo's impact, but he didn't ask about the big neck. He didn't ask for who's the best manager in the league. Um, there's different, I mean, Torsten and Anders is doing a fantastic job there. They're they're still they're currently sixth in the table. But it's a completely it's a very different style. They're they they are based on, you know, ruggedness. They've only conceded five goals. Uh, Malmo conceded four. Malmo have only scored eight though, and Malmo scored twenty one. But as you mentioned there, obviously significantly different budgets. Um Torsten's doing a fantastic job. I, I don't think we've seen enough to say that he is the next great manager in Australia, but I, I do I do think Reesham will end up getting a, a good a big job abroad. I think he could I could easily see him in the championship or somewhere like that in England. Um maybe even the Premier League at some point. He's um he's gonna be the next Kitchen or Kutzen, in my opinion, in terms of people talking about him, um, people hyping the club up because um the work he does, like I say, in implementing his style different in different clubs is, is really, really impressive. Um I think there's a few. The Kalmar manager Jensen it, it, it had a good start. Um, I think what you're what he's looking for is who's going to be the next big manager that maybe gets a big job and kind of raises people's eyebrows. Um, my answer to that, Steve, is going to be. Let me just have a brief. Well, it might be someone in Super N, of course, but. Uh... I yeah, I think know. I think the answer is going to be I can't ignore the job that um, Kim Helberg is doing at Varnemer. I think he he's got a really good chance of being the next big manager to get a sort of big job. I could see him big get, maybe being the next sort of AIK Eurogarden or Hammerby manager. Um, don't forget all the hype last season was Sifuentes. You know, we're kind of um, we're you know could he qualify as next big manager? Like, is he? That's kind of a zeitgeist question, isn't it, really, Steve? That's like, who's capturing the attention at the moment? You know, mm. so Fuentes, this time last season, everyone was talking about him as the sort of next big thing in Osvenskan. So um, it's always about who's doing well at a moment in time, and that's, that depends on form and peaks and troughs and recruitment. And there's loads of variables, but I think Kim Helberg at Varnamo has shown enough to be probably the next manager that will be talked about for big jobs. And actually reminds me, before we do finish the show, uh, you're talking about Ridstrom there, maybe getting a, a championship job or something. Um, I suppose I'll finish with with a slight apology. I got it wrong. Yondal Thomason at Blackburn. I said he'd be out by February, didn't I? I um, maybe even by the World Cup. Um, but to be fair to him, he's had a... By the way, they're ex they have massively overachieved their metrics. So... 
But they, he did lead them to a seventh place finish. Um, I think their expected points, they were down in like 16th, 17th. But uh, not really unexpected points. I predict I, my prediction was they'll be pushing playoffs, and you laughed in my face and said, Yeah, I did. You'll be, I got you you'll be lucky to have a job by Christmas. The one thing I'll say about him, and I noticed this, they they hardly had a draw. Um, certainly heading into the last two or three months, I think they did end up with nine draws, but it just pr- proves that, um, I think they had this, I think he was willing to sack off some games just so that they're ready for the weekend, sort of thing. So, uh, I think he's managed the workload in the championship probably better than I thought he would. So fair play to Thomas in there, actually. Um, yeah, you, I definitely think you underestimated him. And uh, it's yeah, I got him wrong. Things. I've got him wrong. I, if I was te- that whole show, I don't even ever want to listen to it again because I think I said that company was going to be a terrible hire for Burnley as well. Um, <laughs> and that looks, looks terrible, doesn't it? Right now, I still can't believe he, they've done so well, Burnley. By the way, but fair play to company well it's good to see you hold your hands up but yeah that you you've had a few horrible takes in the last year or so and uh not many that's probably the only ep- yeah. definitely up there that's, that's probably the only episode i've ever had that, uh, two shocking <laughs> takes like that but um we'll see how it goes for thomason he's, he's proved me wrong john dahl thomason no challenge next season in my opinion so yeah not often that I am that wrong, but I was there. Um, right, I'll do for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, appreciate uh, your time. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for being on the show as always. I'm for my scarf, my F course scarf, and I hope you enjoyed uh, the great discussion. We're in health, my friend. We're in health, and uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be too long before I'm back in Sweden. You never know. So um, yeah, thanks for listening to the Nordic Football Podcast. Of course. Like I said, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast for our 10 to watches and bonus content, weekly preview shows, uh, weekend preview shows, sorry, and um, other other tidbits. And also the YouTube channel, go and subscribe. Or if you're listening to it on YouTube, then thanks a lot for listening to it on, on that platform because we're doing quite well there, as well as Twitter, where we are sort of um, racking up the followers recently, Steve. So well done and uh, see you next time. Goodbye, everyone. Stay safe. Take care. See you next time.